God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. is 
promised him that he would have children like the sands on the beaches and in the, and in the stars. But the seeds are not necessarily the children of promise. Okay, the seeds are not the children of promise. Okay, so let's 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 keep reading. Look at verse seven, and it says, "And not all of the children." There you go. Not all of the children of Abraham, of Abraham, because what they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Well, what made Isaac so special? Come on. He came from Sarah. He was the promised child. Sarah was barren. Okay. Sarah was God. He was just the one that was blessed. He was the one that was blessed. Why? Because that's the one that he... Please mute your phone. Just listen. That was the, that was the situation in Abraham with Sarah that he used to... I guess to say that he is God because she was barren and he can mm -hmm. do anything. That's what his word says. That's the proof that his word won't come back void when he told Abraham that he was going to have. So are you saying that Isaac was different because he was a good Jew? Was Isaac different because he did better? No. Okay. Why was Isaac different? Because he came from the barren mom. Because he came from the barren mom. Do you think, do you think that, so because he came from the barren woman, he was the chosen one. So it's the barrenness that made him chosen by God. That's what I think. Okay. All right. Let's, let's go to Genesis uh, 18 and 10. Go to Genesis 18 and 10. Freya said that she believes that Isaac was the chosen one because he came from the barren woman. Her facts are definitely right in the sense of what happened, but... We're going to see that it's not because of that. Go ahead. Uh, from the NASB Genesis 18.10. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Stop right there. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? So the Lord said he would revisit her at a certain time, right? right. And that she would bear a child, right? She looked at her natural limitations and decided that she couldn't do it. So this is not a child of necessarily her barrenness. It comes from her barrenness, but this is God's promise to her, right? So it's not in her barrenness that we need to look at. What we need to look at is God chose her, and when God says something, his word doesn't come back void. <clears throat> so it's not because she's barren. It's not because she's a good wife. It's not because it's because God chose that that child would be a child of promise or to which the Messiah would come through. The promise comes through that child. Now, he has many seeds. He has many children. Ishmael was one of his children to which we claim comes the race of the what? Arabs. Okay? They claim to be the children of Israel also. But what we find out is there's a difference between the seeds and the children. Okay? Go to Galatians uh, 13, 28 and read that.
Frenchie. Yeah. Faith. Faith makes us children of Abraham, not natural. And see, that's why the Bible talks about us having natural brothers and sisters who are our bloodline. And then we have brothers and sisters that are our brothers and sisters by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, you can still have both. You can have brothers and sisters that are your blood and brothers and sisters that are what? Your brothers and sisters in Christ. But God is more focused on what? The children of what? Faith. The children of promise. See, in the children of promise, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. We are all the same. We are children of faith. You follow me? Go back to uh, uh, Romans. Pick it up in verse uh, 8. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. Keep reading. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. Mm-hmm. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, for through the twins were not yet born, or for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's promise according, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Now, we have God making a sovereign choice. And that's where we have the problem. Because what we see is, what we call fair, God says, my sovereignty rules over your idea of fairness. Okay? Because was it fair for him to choose the younger over the older? When in normal cultures, the older is, is given high priority over the younger? No. That's not even by Jewish tradition. That's not by most traditions. The older son is next to inherit. But in God's economy, God makes sovereign providential choices. And he said that this seed will come through Isaac. Then who else was next? Through Jacob. Okay. And then Jacob had the 12 what? Patriarchs. Okay. Jacob had the 12 patriarchs. And therein lies the rub for most people. God does things sovereignly based upon his word, but he often does things in a way that's not acceptable to us. That's why God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. Okay, I will have a compassion on whom I have compassion. What God is trying to tell us is that I am in control regardless of what you see, regardless of what you think. The way Jacob went about getting his inheritance was wrong, wasn't it? Because he tried, he tricked his father. But God uses trickery, not not okaying it, but using it to further what he had promised. And what we understand, sometimes man jumps in the way because what he did was his, his mom jumped in the way because she had heard the, the prophecy. She was told the prophecy. She tried to help God alone, just like Sarah tried to help God alone by giving her servant to Abraham. But see, that shows you in both occasions God still worked the way he wanted to work, even though both women were very disobedient. God doesn't need your help, but God allows us to make decisions. And what God does through his grace and mercy, his plan still continues on. His plan was not going to stop because she sinned. His choice was not going to stop because she sinned. Okay, so we have the children of faith and we have the children of the flesh. These are two different sets of children. And, and Israel has always been two sets of people in one nation. Because the children of the flesh are the many. The children of faith are always called the what? Remnant. It's called the remnant. And God has always promised that there would be a remnant. But the difference between the children of the flesh and the children of faith, the children of the flesh try to have a relationship through God through religion. The children of the faith have a relationship with God through obedience and believing in God and what he said. And there's a difference. Same thing with us in the church. There's a big difference between the children of the flesh and the children of the faith. And and what we see in church is that they can be side by side. They can be side by side doing the same thing. 
One is doing and coming to church out of compulsion, out of religion. This is all they know how to do. They believe that they are, are, are pleasing God because of what they do. And the children of faith come to church because they love God. There's a difference. The motive is different. The one, you're trying to show God something. The other, you appreciate God and that's why you're doing it. You follow what I'm saying? Same side by side. You really can't tell the difference. But God knows the difference. That's why God said he knows your heart. If your reason is coming is because you're compelled to come because that's what you know how to do and that's what you've been doing for since you was a child, then you're coming by religious compulsion. But if you come because you want to fellowship, you want to be with the saints, and you love God and you love God's word, then that's a whole different motive, motivation factor for coming. It's the same thing with giving. Anything you do for God, you have to do it in faith. And faith requires that you do it in trust in him and love him. Okay? So there's a difference. Even Jesus pointed out a difference. Go to uh, John one forty seven, And it says, Jesus says, Nathaniel, he saw Nathaniel coming toward him. And he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. See, religion deceives you. And what was he saying about Nathan? Why could he see that there was no deceit in Nathan? Because Nathan trusted God. See, when you trust God, there is no deceit in you. Because you're willing to be an open book to God. You follow what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? So you're willing to be an open book to God. Start back in verse 9 in Romans and go to verse 13. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Mm -hmm. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also. When she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For through the twins, for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it is said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate. Now, Jacob I love, Esau I hate came back in Micah. And it said the twins were born and and they did nothing wrong, right? So why do you think he loved Jacob and hated Esau? I'm glad you asked me. I'm going to tell you why. Esau was sent away, right? And if you remember the story of Jacob, there was a time where Jacob had to run into his brother Esau that he had that he was made that he had made mad. And Jacob sent a long procession of gifts to, to Esau. And Esau said that he he forgave him. But Esau had a nation of people that came behind him after Jacob. They're called the what? Edomites. And the Edomites built their homes in the in the in the in the cliff. The Edomites were the descendants, the brothers and sisters, blood brothers and sisters now, of the Israelites. Right? Because Jacob and Esau had the same mother and father. Okay? So these are cousins. These are blood cousins. And when they, they got freed from Egypt, they asked for the help of their cousins, and they denied them. And when, when they were going, when people were coming up against them, they wanted the Edomites, their cousins, through blood, to come help them, and they denied them. So what God did during the Babylonian terror, he promised that he would come against the Edomites and that he would destroy them, okay? Because that they turned their back on their brothers and sisters, okay? That's why he said he hated them, because they turned their back on their brothers and sisters. The one thing the Bible always teaches us, if we are children of faith, we are children of hospitality and we are children of compassion. And how much more should we show compassion on our bloodline? On those who are not only part of the faith, but also our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should show compassion to those who we are, our brothers and sisters naturally, and have mercy on them, and try to bring them into the faith, and try to share the gospel with them, but also come to their aid. Even if they're non-believers, we should be the bigger person to show compassion and mercy. Go to Romans 11 and 4. Read that. Go ahead. Uh, did God say, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated? 
we know that all of our works, no matter what they are, are like filthy rags before God, right? Everything we do, we need what on it? Grace and mercy, right? So anything we do for God, even this Bible study itself, is done by faith. There is nothing that we bring to this Bible study necessarily other than our faith that he will, uh, that we show appreciation for him. We're not trying to rack up attendance prizes saying, well, I came to Bible study 15 years of my life every day. We're doing it because we want to appreciate God and love him and learn of his ways. Because his ways are not our ways. And the way of faith is not our way. Our way is the way of flesh. Our way is the way of lust of eye, the pride of life, and the lust. Lust about the pride of life, and that's our way. That's the way we come, okay? That's the way we come. We come because we have ulterior motives. We might not mention them, but in our heart of hearts, as if we're being sanctified, it exposes our ulterior motive. It, you know, at one time, way when I was a child, I went to church because it was something to do, and it was something that, that I wanted to see, and it wasn't God, Okay? I went for other reasons, ulterior motives. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life. I went for all three. But now my motive for coming to church and studying the word of God is because of the calling. But then what I do, I do by faith. You see what I'm saying? There's a different motive behind it, okay? Go to Isaiah 5 and 11. Let's see what the Lord says about his word. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink. I'm sorry. Go to Isaiah 55 and 11. I'm sorry. 55 and 11. Isaiah 55 and 11. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Mm -hmm. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. So what God is basically telling us in that passage is, his word is not void, and that he, his word, will bring forth what it's supposed to bring forth. Even in the midst of, uh, uh, and he used an agricultural means, but in the midst of thorns and thistles, the flowers, the good will come. So just as God says things good to us, whatever he promises will come to pass. It will not, it will not be such that God's word will come back void. It will never come back void because God is a God of promise. God is a God of character. So let's go to Jeremiah. Go to Jeremiah. Let me see. Go to Jeremiah. Let's see what God says. Jeremiah uh, 33 at 42. 32 at 42. Start 32 at 42. And let's see what God says about his word. For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on this people, so I am going to bring on them all the good that I am promising them. So, so, so what he's saying is, as much as I brought you disaster, and I want you to catch this, saints, as much as I brought what you're going through, I shall also what bring forth the good. So whatever God promises, whether it's good to you or bad to you, God's word is true. Let every man be a liar. God's word is true. So God brings the bad that he's promised. And with the Israelites, you got to remember, he's talking about the Israelites. And all that they went through that was negative. Well, their negative uh, uh, manifestations of God came because of what? Disobedience. So God, and it's not as if God surprised them. God told them all steps away. If you do this, I'll bless you. If you do that, I'll curse you. If you do this, I'll bless you. If you do that, I'll curse you. But every time the, the people got blessed, they turned their back on God and chased after other gods, chased after other nations, and then God reluctantly would send a prophet to warn them, 
And even the prophets, the Bible says, they killed the prophets that came to warn them. They didn't believe the prophets that came to warn them. And then God was left with no choice because his word has to be true. He punished them. But even though he punished them and some of them died, especially in the, in the, in the wilderness, a lot of them died. He had a whole generation die. And why did they die? Because they didn't believe God. They came, and you got to remember, a whole generation died behind the, uh, 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 going over to Canaan and coming back. How many came back with a good report? And how many came back with a negative report? So what was God's judgment on the ten? They all had to go. They had, not only did they have to go, but guess what? All of the next, their generation had to go. He spared the young children, but that generation had to go because their leaders came back with a report that was contrary to what God said. And what did God say? Go. There's milk and honey over there. That's your land. But because God sovereignly didn't tell them about the giants, they thought God had done what? Lies. See, that's the thing. That's the point I want to get to. Sometimes when God doesn't do what we want him to do in the time frame we want him to do it, we don't say it too readily, but we would say God has lied. Now, let's go, let's relate that to the Israelites. Because everything that's happened to the Israelites and now Jesus has come, Jesus is gone. You got Paul who was a Pharisee preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and, and, and Peter, his first sermon, telling the Jews that they had killed their Messiah. If, a, if, if this is true, a, a natural Jew, a Jew of the flesh, a, a Jew of Israelite of the nation, not of a promise, not of the faith, a Jew of the nation would think that God what? That God lied. But you, can't, you won't say that God lied because that would be blasphemy, right? So instead of saying God lied, what's the next out for them? You just ain't come yet. Yeah. Come on, you're right. That he ain't come yet. That wasn't the Messiah. <laughs> we didn't kill him. Why? Because there's only two options. Either Jesus was the Messiah, and what happened happened. And the Gentiles are now the focus until all the Gentiles come in. He has kind of set Israel aside, not forgotten about them, not gonna bless them, but has set them aside as a nation. There will be those Israelites called the Messianic Jews that believe in Jesus that will come in. But how much greater will it be once the chosen people come into Christ? Because he's going to come back and some of them are going to come in. A lot of them, it says that all of them are going to be saved. But it's going to be all of them that what? Believe. It's going to be all of that that believe. Jesus is going to come back and prove to them that he was their Messiah. But until then, there's that remnant, that Messianic Jew who believes in Jesus as their Messiah, as proved out through Scripture. He's always reserved in remnant. So in the body of Christ, there is no Jew like we read. There is no Greek. There's only those of us in Christ Jesus, the children of faith. Okay? The children of faith. Uh, so go back to Romans. Go back, start at verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. So the miracle is that Sarah's going to have a son because she was up in age. The, the promise, okay? He said, I'm going to come back a year from now, and you're going to have this child that I promised. Go ahead. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand. His, according to whose choice? His choice would stand. And here's the proclamation of his choice. What did he choose? Go ahead. Not because of works, but mm -hmm. because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. So like I told you before, that Esau, that Jacob I loved, Esau hated, didn't come till after Esau generations had fulfilled the reason. Mm -hmm. 
You follow what I'm saying? Oh, he said was the younger, the older would serve the younger. Well, those two brothers, if you read the history, they Esau never did serve Jacob. He tolerated Jacob, but he never served Jacob. He never became a servant of Jacob in that manner. Okay, go ahead. Just as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Mm -hmm. Now this is Paul writing, but he's, he's pulling that out of Micah. Go ahead. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? See, so the question, the question is, God must be unjust because he's allowed something to happen that is against the norm. Okay? So what shall we say? Is there injustice with God? Of course, God forbid. Read. May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now it seems as if the, 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 the Paul trying to make a case that the Jews are still relevant, he is almost like he's not really making the case because he keeps using the Old Testament to show, look, it has always been the God's choice to do what he wants. And just as God chose you for no reason other than choice, he has the, the right and the privilege and the responsibility to make his word come true. Okay? And his word came, was, came true was there was supposed to be the Jewish nation was supposed to be the light unto the Gentile world. They disobeyed God. So what did God do? The light, the light, which is Jesus Christ, came through the disobedient generations and became the light unto the Gentiles. What they were supposed to do, God did it through Jesus. You follow me? Even though they were disobedient, his word didn't come back void. Okay? So your disobedience don't stop God. And see, that's the arrogance in us. That's a man sitting theology. As if what I do will stop, ultimately stop what God wants to do. And I know we get caught up in our own flesh and we be like, well, uh, uh, we can stop our blessings. And, 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 and this is what I will tell you. If you are truly supposed to be blessed in an area of your life, your disobedience may stop it for you, but it doesn't mean it's going to stop it for your generation. Because see, God has this way of looking at stuff throughout time. So let's say he made a, a, a statement to bless you in a certain way. Let's just say he said, uh, 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 freedom, you're going to be a billionaire. So you go off and do what you want to do and you disobey God, you stop coming, God has promised you and you're like, okay, I'm going to stand on God's promise and you start doing things that's contrary to what God has called you to do? Well, he promised you he's going to be a billionaire. Well, see, he can skip you and give it to Ferris. He can skip you. See, a lot of times, because of our disobedience, when we know God has promised us, and, I, and actually, uh, for the saints of God, all of your promises are in Christ Jesus. So you need to research that. And the land promises of the Israelites are not yours. So you need to quit barking up that tree. Okay? Your, 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 your gifts and your promises are spiritual in nature. Okay? To help you function while we're here. He did not promise that you were going to be rich. And I just use that as an example. So what God will prom promise Israel the remnant may receive it, but the masses of Israelites who don't believe won't receive it. You follow me? Because they're not receiving the promise by faith. They're trying to work at it. They're trying to make it happen. All right, read on. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs. See, it's proving my point. Does it depend upon your will? You can wish it, will it. Uh, 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 you can uh, you can sit there and go over it over and over and over again. You can sit there and, and just, I'm going to will it into existence. We're going to touch and agree. We're going to slap high and five. And he just said it's not who what? It is not on the man who wills or who runs. It's not on the man who wills or who runs. So you can will it or you can run after it. But? But on God who has mercy. On God who has what? Mercy. On God who has mercy. So your salvation is not bent on your religious activity at church. Your sanctification is not built on your religious activity. It's God who has mercy. What you have to understand, saints of God, is that 
from day to day to day, your day is full of mercy. And he said, this goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. If you are breathing right now, goodness, mercy, grace, steadfast love, and long-suffering is in your pocket right now. You wouldn't be here unless God did that for you. Because he chose. Not because you deserve. You don't deserve anything from God that's good. You can't go to God and say, look what I did and I deserve it. Because it says, it's not to who wills and it's not to who runs. See, it goes from, it's not to those who think about it. Or it's not to those who participate in some kind of activity to make it happen. See, you can have, you can have all the, the mechanics you want. But if God doesn't want to have it for you, you're not going to have it. And if God wants you to have it, you may delay it and it may be given to your posterity, but it's going to be given unto you. Now, that's what we say God ain't fair because now we're like, well, who, who, who? So, God, you mean it's up to you? Yes. It's not up to me. It's up to me to be obedient to him. But my blessings will come from him because of him, not because of me. All right, read on. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, mm-hmm. for this very purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Now, now, what? now did you pay attention to what you just said? For this very reason, he raised up who? Pharaoh. Who was Pharaoh? He's an evil man, what? Yeah. He, the, the Pharaonic dynasty kept the Israelites in bondage for how many years? 400 years. 400 years. Until God got tired of Pharaoh and, and, and them crying out. And then God says, guess what? I rose up this evil man so that what? My name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. That my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Did you catch that? I hope you did over the phone. He raised up an evil person so that his name could be proclaimed throughout the earth. He didn't say he raised the Israelites and that did it. No. Not this period of time. See, this is why God chooses who he wants to. And then God, then he says behind it, I will have what? Mercy on oh. whom he desires. Uh-huh. And? And he hardens whom he desires. And he hardens whom he desires. He allowed Pharaoh, to, his heart to become hardened. So that he could get the glory. What miracles did God do for Pharaoh and the world? And we still talk about it today. So that's how he gets the glory. How many miracles did Pharaoh, Pharaoh do have come against him? Manifestation of God come against him to show that the God of the Jews, Yahweh, was the powerful God. He had a whole bunch of, he had over 12 plagues, right? And then he had the parting of the, of the sea and his army was destroyed. People talk about whether you know the story or not. We always talk about what God did to Pharaoh. And his name became great in the world because what, what God did was take on the largest, strongest power of the day. And he destroyed them. And to this day, Egypt is not the nation they used to be. And we read that in Ezekiel that Egypt would not rise up again. Okay, now I want y'all to start thinking about this, America. You can't keep getting away with what you're doing. While we're looking for justice, social justice, just think about this, saints of God. What if God has allowed America to raise up to show his power? And normally how God shows his power is is destroying you, coming against you, uh, or showing you that you're not all of that. See, while we're trying to isolate it, us versus them, we are all Americans. And America as a whole, even though how we got here is not right, we're still Americans. We have to, may have to participate in the chastising of America just because we're here. And we might be the remnant, those who believe he will always have a remnant that he'll save. But guess what? Even the prophets of the day, when they were going through, they had to go through what the nation went through, even though they were chosen of God. They don't get to escape. As Jonah. Jonah didn't get to escape what he had to go through to do what God wants. Okay? Go ahead, read. We're almost done. 
resists his will. So, that, so in other words, if God chooses and he does what he wants to do, why does he even punish us? That's a legitimate question for a human, isn't it? You know, what, what, what? Okay, God, you choose, you raise up evil people, and we can't resist your will. So then why are you judging us? Why are you punishing us? Why are you holding against us? So what's his answer? On the contrary, who are you, O oh man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he will, and he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Now stop right there. We're going to stop right there for us. We're going to stop right there tonight. What is, what the Bible is trying to tell us is God raised up Pharaoh. And he used Pharaoh as an example. The ultimate miracle, the ultimate greatest thing is not the miracles of what he did to Pharaoh but how he delivered the Israelites. He raised up Pharaoh for wrath. His chosen ones got what? Mercy. He protected them. He watched over them. He gave them grace. He delivered them. See, now, if you think about delivering, you're going to not be delivered from good to good. You're being delivered from oppression to freedom. Now, God always operates like that. So what oppresses us as Christians that we got delivered from? Sin. Sin. So Pharaoh is an example of the sin that is in our lives that he is allowed to happen by our choices. And then one day he decides because you were chosen, faith come by hearing, okay? Hearing come by the word of God which is an act of his grace and mercy because he doesn't have to, but he's going on his promise. And then he, he saves you and delivers you from the power of sin, which is death, and the penalty of sin, which is death, I'm sorry, and the power of sin, that, that sin has no more control over you. Pharaoh had no more control over the Israelites. But Pharaoh, they had to, but the way he showed his power was allow that to reign. That's why the Bible tells us not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. Sin reigned over the Israelites and God delivered them. And even in that, we know there were some Israelites that wanted to go back to what they've been delivered from because they couldn't see what God was doing for them. And that's what I put out today on the podcast. God says yes sometimes, and God says no. When God says no to you, saints, that means that chapter, that minute, that, that page, you're on page 99, and you say, I want you to say yes. But God says no. There's more pages to turn. There's more that he wants to show you about himself, and there's more that he wants to show you about yourself in relationship to him. Now, when God says yes, that means that chapter is closed. And God is about to open up a new chapter for you. That you're going to see new things and experience new things and go through new things and new challenges and new heights. But God is a yes, no God. No just means no for right now or maybe no for good. But it means you're working your way towards a yes and an amen. And what you got to do is keep moving by faith. Don't let people deter you from walking in the light of faith. Meaning that whatever we do to, for God, we do by faith and we know that his acceptance is because of his mercy and his grace. And the Jew, what he's trying to tell the Jews is, it's always been about God's sovereign choice, God's sovereign mercy, God's sovereign compassion, his sovereign grace, 
and that they have been the recipient of it since the time of Abraham. And even now that God has allowed the Gentiles to come in, he hasn't turned his back on them. Okay? So in chapters 19 and 11, Paul is making a case because the case was so strong against them in, in Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4 that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, the Jew would say, not me. The Gentiles have because that's what they do. But not me. Religious folks say, not me. But God is trying to point out, without my mercy, without my grace, you don't have anything. So he's trying to calm the Jews down and, and let them know that God hasn't forgot about them. That God may have set them aside for a period of time, but God's promise to them will come true. And we're going to find out, as much as we are the church, the next glorious thing that's going to happen is him coming back and then regrafting the branches of the Jews back into the, to the root. We're the wild olive branch. They are the cultivated branch. He broke them off, set them aside. But the, but the, but the grace and mercy of God is saying, I'm powerful enough to save you Gentile and also bring you back Jew. So as we go through our day, what we need to learn from this is, is that God is in control and that what we can do to be like God, show mercy and grace in a time where everybody else is not doing it. Because you never know what God is doing until you show some mercy and some grace, which is the act of his justice. Mercy and grace are much part as justice as wrath. Hello, this is Pastor Jay with Walking Truth Radio Podcast and Senior Pastor of Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church. I want to thank you today for tuning in and I want to praise you for praying for this ministry. We are growing by leaps and bounds. If you would like to support this ministry and give a donation, look in the description. We have Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. But most importantly, we need your prayers. So I just want to thank you again for coming along on this journey and we will see you on the other side.